everyone, John Clare here, and welcome to episode one of the EvoFi podcast, a finance podcast for humans. You may be asking yourself, long-term care, what does that have to do with financial stuff or investments? And as we put together financial plans for clients and work with them over their lives, we find that long-term care, the event and the insurance and all the stuff related can play a major role in the success of one's financial plan. And not just from an emotional perspective, but obviously a financial perspective. And so we brought in one of our friends, a local long-term care expert, Linda Carruthers, to talk to us about what's going on in the world of long-term care and what that may mean to you now and in the future. Uh, also, we'd like to announce that we're having an event at Blue Bee Cider on May 10th, where we'll have a couple experts uh, to come talk about identity protection and that role in protecting yourself and your financial plan. So you sense a theme here of long-term care and how that may impact your financial plan, how identity protection can affect your financial plan. There are all these things out there that aren't immediately recognizable as financial concepts, but nonetheless, those are things that we need to pay attention to because it's not just about market returns or what type of insurance you have, but there are all these other things in this world that can affect your success. And so we want to bring those to the forefront, and we hope you'll join us at Blue Bee. Uh, so give us a shout. You can uh, email us at evofipodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us or Instagram us at evofipodcast. Also, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on podbean.com. Anyway, we had a good time making this episode. This was our first official episode. I think we're getting better. We still have some work, but I think the concepts and the discussion was very important. And we hope you enjoy this podcast as much as we had making it. And we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the EvoFi podcast, a finance podcast for humans, where today we'll be featuring Linda Carruthers of Long-Term Care Consultant, an old friend of us, of ours, and um, soon to be a friend of all of yours. Uh, just a quick reminder on the podcast in general. As you know, the goal here is to create uh, some personality behind personal finance and to kind of demystify some of the concepts that you all think about and things that we talk about with our clients uh, every day. Um, our goal is to do this every couple of weeks, so you have uh, something predictable uh, in your inbox. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes at EvoFi Podcast, or you can get us on Twitter at EvoFi Podcast, or Instagram at EvoFi Podcast. Um, so I'd like to introduce the rest of the team here, uh, my business partner Dave O'Brien and Lauren Zangardi-Haynes, CFP. How are things going, everybody? Great. How are you? I'm just trying to figure out how you can listen to a podcast on Instagram, but keep going. That's where the pictures from the podcast will be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I heard social is the new rage, so. It'll be in sign language. Apparently, Get it's it. really okay. big in big in Washington, D.C. right now. Um, and I also wanted to mention to everybody uh, who's listening, uh, we do have an event coming up at Blue Bee Cider, uh, an identity protection uh, event where we're going to have some experts in town talking about uh, how to protect your identity, not just from a financial perspective, but from 
um, from many facets. Uh, one of our guests is from a healthcare company, and the other is from a, a, an investment and securities uh, company, one of our good friends, Dan Skiles, and also Randy Franklin. Uh, so we'd like you to join us uh, Thursday, May 10th, from 5.30 to 7.30 at Blue Bee Cider in Historic Scott's Edition. Also, our compliance consultant has told us that we have to read the following. Uh, before we get started, it is important to note that this podcast is 100% free of any tax, legal, or investment advice. Our goal here is education and fun. If you need advice in any of those areas tailored to your specific circumstances, feel free to give us a call or your advisor. And if it's another advisor, why is it not us? But anyway, uh, without further ado, um, I'm going to turn it over to the team here to see if there's anything worth mentioning this week uh, before I mention our introduce our guests and get right to the topic. Anything? There's nothing going on in the world this week. I don't think we want to talk about what's going on in the world. That's why people are tuned into the podcast. So let's get rolling. Well, I do want to talk about Blue Bee Cider, though. So I think Tell me more. If you haven't been to Blue Bee Cider, it's an awesome local business, and you should definitely check them out. If not, at our event on May 10th, then on some other time we get a chance to go down there. It's a really great spot. They call it the champagne of ciders. Actually, they call it artisanal cider. Artisanal, sure. Yeah, it's, it's not the, the like that bold rock was, stuff. Yeah, right now. All right. What else? There's got to be stuff going on. Last time we talked about Star Wars, right? And if you check out the pilot episode on iTunes, you'll see Lauren berating Dave about Star Wars versus Star Trek. Dave, I think it was the other way. Right? I was going to say, I think actually. it's more like Dave You're talking about yeah. how it was a fable, right? Uh, I've listened to that several times now. And Anyway, interesting, there's another Star Wars movie coming out, my kids told me. I know, but I heard it wasn't as good. I don't know. Ron Howard may have saved the day. I hope so. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll be going. Dave, are you going to go? No. Come on. Oh, no. Dave. <laughs> I'll hold out until the next Star Trek movie comes out. You're right. missing out. Huh? You haven't Maybe. changed. Anyway, is Star Trek even out anymore? Do they even make movies? I think all the actors have passed away by now, huh? Well, that's kind of mean now, isn't it? No. No, it's just, it's just math. Alive. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's, no. Leonard Nimoy's died. And William Shatner, isn't he? Nope, nope, nope. He's oh. like 90 his, years his old His face now. is much younger. Yes. Oh, yeah. I but saw him on that show with Henry Winkler. Have you seen that with Terry Bradshaw? Linda's over here like, what world did I just walk into? <laughs> It's hilarious. It's about a bunch of older gentlemen who go around the world. It's George Foreman, Henry Winkler, Terry Bradshaw, and uh, uh, William Shatner. And they do crazy stuff. It's like a road trip. It's hilarious. It's a really good lead-in to talk about long-term care. Well done, Dave. All right, well, let's let's just cut straight to the chase. I'd like to introduce our, our longtime friend, Linda Carruthers. She has spent the last 19 years studying long-term care insurance and the industry overall. She teaches classes at the University of Richmond, Osher Lifelong Learning Center. That's right, Dave. And the Chesterfield County Adult Education Division, helping clients take their first step in understanding this complex topic that we all know is long-term care. And so we thought today would be a good episode to talk about what is long-term care. I think a lot of people actually associate long-term care immediately with insurance. And while insurance is a solution to long-term care, I thought it would be good to take a step back and talk about what is the, what is the concept, what is the need, and that those are some of the questions that I think all the folks out there want to know about. 
So I'll kick things off and then, and then we'll just kind of go with the flow here. But uh, Linda, tell us a little bit about um, long-term care in general and kind of mm-hmm. what's going on in the current landscape. Sure, John. Long-term care is personal care. It's not medical care. It's got nothing to do with medical care. Long-term care are the activities of daily living, things we do every day to f- as functioning adults. Uh, there are six activities of daily living. The first one is we're able to dress ourselves. We're able to feed ourselves. We're able to bathe ourselves. We're able to transfer from point A to point B. We're able to use the commode. We're able to control our bowel and bladder. When we cannot perform two of the six, we need care. If I'm not able to get up out of my bed on time to make it to the commode, I need someone to either bring the commode to me or take me to the commode. If I'm not able to sit up and put on my shoes, I need someone to help me put on my shoes. That's long-term care. It's not medical care. It's personal care. And now we hear a lot about, at least I shouldn't say we, but I hear a lot about specifically people think of long-term care as just immediately it's living in a nursing home. But increasingly, we've had folks here working with uh, clients who, who are at home and who are often much younger than they thought they would be in, in this type of a situation. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the risks of, of, of a long-term care event occurring and kind of what the ages are and kind of what the types of situations people might find themselves in? Certainly. Um, to your point, John, people sometimes will say to me, I, I want to learn about that nursing home insurance. Well, it's not necessarily nursing home insurance. The whole idea of having a long-term care plan is to keep you out of a nursing home. The whole idea is to keep you receiving care where you want your care. And that can be a different situation for different people. You may want to stay at home. So you can receive your care at home. You can receive your care in adult daycare. You can receive your care in assisted living. You can receive your care in a nursing home. It all depends on your level of need. That's number one. Number two, where do you want to receive your care? And the whole idea is to put a plan together. It may or may not include an insurance policy. Many times it doesn't. I tell people, stop and think. If you had a stroke last week and you couldn't speak for yourself or you were in a horrible car accident and you could no longer speak for yourself, How do you want your care provided to you? Who is your support system? Is it your family? Is it your best friends? Is it your church community? It doesn't matter, but just have a plan and then do a fire drill. (laughs) You know fire drills in school? Just have a fire drill. Uh, When my husband and I were putting together our plan, we sat down and we said, okay, one of us had a stroke last week. How do we want this to work? It, It really takes a lot of thinking And then you've got to get your support system in place because, again, if you can't speak for yourself, no one knows what you want. So go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to say, Linda, I think you bring up a great point, and it is not only to come up with a plan, but then to actually talk about it with the people who are affected by your plan. You know, we've had some clients suggest that their children will take care of them, which is fine. But do the children know that your plan is for your children to take care of you? And, And do you have any tips on communicating that, because it's a sensitive subject, how to communicate that with your uh, care partners. It is a very sensitive subject. Um, What I suggest to clients, and oftentimes it'll be 
a daughter or a son who will come to me and say, I really want to have this discussion with my parents, but I don't know how to do it. The best advice, and I've learned this the hard way, not the easy way, put your plan in place, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. What, it could be so simple, but just write it out. And again, it doesn't have to include insurance, but write it out and then discuss it with your parents and say, hey, mom, dad, this is what I've put together. This is what I want if I can't speak for myself. Can you help me understand that I've done it the right way or do you have any suggestions? That will typically start the ball rolling and the conversation will take on a life of its own. And mom and dad may have a plan, they just haven't shared it with you yet. But to your point, Lauren, yes, have that discussion. It doesn't matter how you start it, just start it. And of course, parents love their children. Trust me, they usually jump in and they'll say, oh yeah, we have a plan or no, we don't wanna think about it. But at least it gets the ball rolling. Sure, I just also want a quick shout out to any Evo Advisor clients out there. If you have a plan written down, you can store it on our secure files and we can share it with your loved ones, you know, should something perfect, something difficult happen <laughs> and the plans needed, we can help, you know, so that it's good to have a plan, but someone has to know where the plan is to help exactly it for you. Exactly. And to your point, this is what I advise clients. You have a plan. Definitely share it with your advisor. My goodness, absolutely. Share it with your primary care physician because if you have a plan and you need to go on claim, your primary care physician will be the first one the insurance company will contact. So let your primary care physician know about your plan. Your power of attorney, whoever that is, they need to see it. Whoever prepares your taxes, that person needs to see it. If you have a plan and it's sitting in a drawer and you can't speak for yourself, it's not going to help anybody. We want our family and friends to manage our care, but we don't want them to actually provide the care. I know I personally don't want my daughters to give me a bath, but I do want them to manage my care and make sure I'm getting the right kind of care and that my money is being spent properly. So yeah, share it with everybody. Don't keep it a secret. That's great advice. So there are certain kind of if I look at the landscape overall in terms of, I think of two different points on a timeline. One is when you start putting together a care plan, but then also is when people actually start needing that plan to work. Are there certain kind of ages or, or demographics or male and female bias? I'm trying to think of for folks who are listening, it's a, okay, gosh, I'm approaching that time or I've got time to start working on a plan. What, what, what can you say about that? Oh, John, I could talk for hours. Um, Long-term care has nothing to do with age. Yes, the probability of needing care as we age increases. Statistically speaking, if we make it to the age of 65, we have a 70% chance of needing care. It's the aging process. However, the youngest person in our office to file a claim was 28, and she filed it because of a pregnancy. We had a 50-year-old gentleman fall off his roof. He broke both legs. We had a 35-year-old young lady she was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And by the time the physicians were able to figure out what was wrong, she couldn't lift her head up off the pillow. So needing care has absolutely nothing to do with age. There are three phrases that you'll find in a long-term care insurance policy. And the first one is hands-on. That means the policy will respond when I need hands-on care. That means I actually need someone 
to physically help me bathe and get dressed. Within arm's reach means I need someone to be with me because the aging process, I'm getting older, I'm getting more feeble, I'm not as steady on my feet, perhaps I feel as if I'm going to faint. I just want someone to be with me when I'm taking my shower or getting dressed. So that's within arm's reach. Um, supervision means I can provide all of my personal hygiene because long-term care insurance will also cover dementia or Alzheimer's. So if I need supervision, that means I just need someone to be there to remind me to take my medication to keep me safe. Again, it's got nothing to do with age. Policies are available 18 and older. Now, for planning purposes, between the ages of 40 and 50, that's the best time to put a plan in place. You're typically at your healthiest. Um, you've got some resources that you can set aside. Right now, I'm working with a 36-year-old couple. I was shocked when they called me. I don't typically get phone calls from 36-year-olds. And um, the husband said, we're dealing with both of our mothers right now. He said, and it dawned on us, what are we going to do if we need care? And so what I advise young clients, and these folks are young and they've got young children, and I said, let's start with a really small plan, something that's really affordable right now. Because with long-term care insurance, you can own more than one policy. You can own multiple policies and file claims with all of them at the same time. So what you want to do is put something in place now, let it grow over time, just let it sit there, it won't go away, and let's choose a plan that the premiums are guaranteed. As your circumstances change, apply for another policy later on, and just build, kind of stack one on top of the other, and that appeal to that makes sense. I'm not going to recommend to them the most robust plan, that doesn't make sense, but if you take it in little pieces, you feel better because you've got something. And it's not, it's not taking so much out of your income that you, you, you dread paying that premium. That's not what it's all about. And so that's my best advice. Do it as early as you can. Put a plan in place. And again, it doesn't have to be the Cadillac version. It can be the tiniest thing. And just build on it over time. But be aware that you need to build on it. Um, especially for young couple like this, they're both, they're both employed. And so I explained to them, when you're employed and you go on claim for long-term care, your medical insurance will pay for your health care, whatever care you need. Your short-term disability, your long-term disability will continue to pay your income, but your long-term care policy will give you that residual money you need to pay for your care. So it's about keeping everything in place and having that quality of life. And so that, so again, to answer your question, there is no perfect time other than when you're the healthiest, but start planning, start thinking about how are you gonna manage your care? So, so I wish more people actually thought about that when they were at their healthiest, you know, in their 40s and 50s. I mean, obviously right. if they work with advisors, they may be prompted to act more or sooner. But for those folks who might be listening who are past that sweet spot of healthiest mm -hmm. and um, maybe the most successfully professional kind of that period of time for people in their sixties. Is there some, is there a different approach to the plan at that point where maybe some of the solutions aren't as 
financially attractive or is affordable or are there, is there anything different there? Yes, there is. Um, as we get older, of course, we have different assets. You may not need as robust a plan. Um, what I tell clients is typically if you had to start paying $5,000 a month right now for care, where would it come from? doesn't matter what your age is, but where would it come from? Typically, as we're older, we have some other assets, so perhaps we need a policy just to supplement, to pay part of that. And yes, to your, there are products. There's one product that you have to be a minimum of 75 before you can even look at it. So it, it just depends on the individual circumstances. Long-term care plans are based on your gender. Typically, females pay a higher rate because we live longer. So it's your gender, your health, your age, and your marital status. Those four criteria go into play. And the older we are, yes, it is costlier. However, we don't have to add all the bells and whistles. We may not have to add inflation. So it, there, there are solutions for all ages. doesn't matter what the age is. So, Linda, you earlier you mentioned that it has nothing to do with age. Mm-hmm. Um, at these earlier ages, how long is a long-term care event? I have seen as few as five months to as long as 15 years. It, the youngest client I had diagnosed with dementia was 40 at the time he was diagnosed. He's still on claim, and that was 10 years ago. I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't. Um, another client, the one who was, um, gosh, I remember it so clearly, he was in a horrific head-on collision, and he was on claim for two years. He got, you can come on and off of claim. It, 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 the policy will kick in, it'll turn off. Uh, it all depends on how your policy is designed, and that's the key. Uh, I encourage people, if you don't wanna work with me, that's fine, but work with someone who specializes. Work with someone who understands all the nuances and the variables that come with these plans, they're not intuitive at all. They are so complex, and again, there's no one-size-fits-all. I, I don't even know how else to describe it. If I'm having a conversation with a very healthy 25-year-old, that's a whole different conversation than a maybe not-so-healthy 65-year-old. It, it just really depends. And so with all that variability, Mm-hmm. Uh, for somebody who's listening, I, I guess the question is, where do you draw the line or where do you define when does health insurance and disability insurance and long-term care insurance kind of start and stop? And earlier you mentioned that at a high level. Could you go into that a little bit more? I hope I understood your question. Um, you can buy long-term care insurance with a 10-pay option or a 15-pay option or a 20-pay option and have it paid up and just let it sit there. Um, health insurance, long-term disability, short-term disability, they all work in tandem when you're on claim, as you know. If you kick in that long-term care piece, that gives you that extra income. If you've got that, what I call bucket of money for long-term care sitting there, depending on your age and your need, it's going to be there for you regardless of when you put it in place. So you have medical insurance. You, you right. have your, you're in your 30s or 40s and you have something that happens and you need help with two out of these six activities mm-hmm. of daily living. And you have medical insurance, which is going to pay for your doctor's visits and your drugs. And if you have you know, a, a care facility when you're discharged, it'll cover that. 
Um, you have your disability income insurance uh, with Hope through your employer. That's going to pick up maybe up to 60% of your taxable income, right? So now you're going to have some additional money to pay your bills. You're just not going to be able to do as much with the money. I guess I'm kind of, as I listen to you, seeing this as a layer cake, and the long-term care plays on top of that. I guess why wouldn't somebody just get more disability income insurance while they're working versus long-term care? Because a couple of reasons. The long-term care benefit is tax-free. The premiums may be paid from a health savings account. If you're a business owner, the premium is maybe paid out of a business as a medical expense. The money used for long-term care, long-term care itself is expensive. You would have to have a really healthy disability income policy to give you that extra residual income you need. I think having the long-term care piece with the inflation on it, it'll, it'll keep up with the cost of long-term care. I think, I think that's the key right there. I've seen it work really beautifully when someone who's still actively employed is having a long-term care episode, it, the couple I'm thinking of right now, the husband is an emergency room physician, and emergency room physicians are not paid if they don't work. So his wife was really sick, and she was on long-term care. He was able to go to work every day, and he, his life went on. I mean, the, she had that care she needed. She had the disability income, so her income was still coming in. Their life, their quality of life didn't change, and she got the attention she needed, and he was able to go to work and do what he needed to do without worrying about whether she had the right care or not. Does It, ma- it all comes together. It so works. you're kind of backing into a dollar amount that you need to provide all of the support that you need if you're not able to work and you need that level of care. Correct. So I have a follow-up question, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and then I... I think we're getting down the financial solution route, and I think we're kind of walking to the long-term care insurance we are route. Financial planners, so. fair enough. Just saying, good. But but there are a couple of things I want to back up and cover real quick, and I think this is a question that is often the elephant in the room when we meet with clients, which is, well, I'm no longer working, I'm retired. Well, that's what Medicare is for, or that's where Medicare, my supplement policy is. So, can you comment a little bit on? what Medicare actually covers and what it doesn't cover. And then I'm hoping we can parlay that into what are the actual solutions, types of care that you may find, whether it's home care facilities. We've all seen the facilities coming up. So trying to make it into that maybe 60-year-old plus bracket. I know you what you mm-hmm. said, it could happen at any time. But right. the preponderance of people we deal with are people who are dealing with the situation right now and they're no longer working and we're working with Medicare. So sorry, it's a long question, but Medicare – uh, what kind of coverage do, can people expect to have or not have when okay. it comes to that? The best way I can describe it, if I had a stroke last week, the first thing my family would do is take me to the hospital. That's health care. That's skilled care. That's care provided to me by licensed health care practitioners. They have a medical degree. Skilled care or health care is paid by Medicare or health insurance. Okay. I'm in the hospital maybe a week, 10 days. I'm stabilized. I go to rehab. Rehab may be paid partially by Medicare or long-term care. As long as I'm improving, Medicare will pay because it's medically necessary. As soon as I plateau and I need care, personal care, Medicare no longer pays. Medicare will not pay for long-term care. That's the period. Health insurance will not pay for long-term care. 
the only type of insurance that will pay for long-term care is long-term care insurance or you pay out of your pocket. So to answer your question, John, I, I had a stroke. I was in the hospital, left the hospital, went to rehab, leave rehab. Now I go home. Stroke victims cannot be left alone. Someone either needs to move in with me or I need to bring in a professional caregiver. That caregiver right now in this area, or the national median really, is anywhere between 20 to $25 an hour depending on the level of care. And the level of care is determined how many of the activities of daily living do you need help with. It's also determined by the individual. For example, if my husband is six foot two and weighs 250 pounds, he may need two caregivers to help him take a bath. Where a tiny woman who's five foot two and weighs 110 pounds, she's fine with one caregiver. So it all depends on the need and the level of care. But you can receive care at home. Most home care agencies in today's market charge a minimum of four hours of care, of care a day before they'll come out. So you're looking at a minimum of, I, I say $100 a day. I'm comfortable with $25 an hour. My husband was on claim last summer and he needed help with two of the six and we were charged $22 an hour. But I like to round it up to 25 and say $100 a day. I like to start plans with at least $100 a day of coverage. I think that helps people get over the rough spot. Okay, so I'm home now, and I'm re I've got a professional caregiver preparing my meals, helping me take a bath, helping me get dressed, fixing my hair, whatever it is I need. All right. I could stay home for a while, and hopefully I'll improve, and I'll get pretty close to normal, and I'll go on with my life. But let's say now I need assisted living. I could easily move into assisted living. So that same insurance policy will pay whether I'm receiving care at home or assisted living. Assisted living starts at about $4,500 a month per person, and that's your basic. Now, there are assisted living communities that are a little less costly. There are some that are more expensive. It all depends on the different whatever you need, your, again, your level of care, and if you have a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom or if you're in a studio apartment, it all, it all varies. And if you visit an assisted living community, you, you're typically going to be given um, a menu, and you get to choose and pick what you want and what you need. Well, gee, mom needs her laundry done or mom needs her hair done. It's a la carte, so the cost can be anything. Nursing homes typically run between seven to $10,000 a month. And again, it all depends on the level of need, what you need, that's how the cost is determined. Most people don't wind up in a nursing home. Um, if you look around, when was the last time you saw a nursing home being built? Mm -mm. You see assisted living communities. Those are the nursing homes of the future. We're not going to see that many nursing homes anymore. Can I ask just to clarify? Sure. I know Dave's got a question, but since sure. we're on the assisted living topic, I just wanted to clarify for folks listening, uh, maybe the stages or the types of care. I've heard home care. Correct. I've home heard care. assisted living. We've heard nursing home. And can you just briefly explain the, the, the continuum of care and maybe the things that identify each type sure. so that folks kind of get a sense of, mm -hmm. of what that means? Home care means someone is coming into your home, a professional certified nursing assistant, and a CNA is trained, 
A CNA knows how to help you in and out of a wheelchair. A CNA knows how to help you in and out of a bathtub. They know how to help you get up and walk around. That's home care. Home care is provided by a certified nursing assistant. There are home health care agencies. They're all different. I typically recommend clients interview at least three different home care agencies. They vary. It's incredible how different they are. That's home care. Then we've got assisted living. Assisted living communities, they vary as well. Um, they have different fee structures. They, have, they provide, some have memory units, some don't. You, you have to visit, uh, I would say at least three, maybe five. If you're looking for care for a loved one, you want to fit your loved one in that right personality because they're all different. You, you, I can't even describe to you, John, how different they are. So you've got home care, you've got assisted living. There is also something called adult daycare. And here in this area, we don't have that many standalone adult daycare. Most adult daycare centers are in assisted living communities. You have to seek them out and find them. Adult daycare is a lot more affordable than home care. Typically, adult daycare starts at about $59, $69 a day. And some adult daycare centers have um, transportation where they can come and pick up your loved one and they'll they'll spend the day at adult daycare and they'll have socializing they'll have meals they'll have their um, activities of daily living you know maybe mom will somebody will give her a bath or fix her hair or clip her toenails whatever mom needs so we've got um, home care assisted living adult daycare and then nursing homes when people go to a nursing home they they need a lot of care. It's typically they need help with all six activities of daily living and maybe dementia as well. Um, the difference between assisted living and nursing home is assisted living communities are not skilled care communities. So if someone needs a feeding tube or they need any type of skilled care, they're typically moved to a nursing home. I have a quick question. Will long-term care insurance policies cover hospice care as yes. well? Okay. Yes. Um, that's a really good question because most people think health insurance or Medicare will cover hospice. Not always. Medicare will cover hospice under certain circumstances. I had a client recently whose sister, she, she passed away last summer, but she was on claim and she was moved, and I don't remember all the circumstances, but she was moved to a standalone hospice facility and Medicare would not cover it. And he called me, and he said, this doesn't make any sense. I said, well, she has a long-term care policy. Well, her long-term care policy, it was a little over $5,000, and so he did file the claim, and um, he got a check for $5,000. Another thing to remember about long-term care insurance, long-term care insurance does coordinate benefits with Medicare. What does that mean? Just the example I just gave you about hospice care, in addition Let's say your loved one wants to stay at home and they're receiving care, but now they need to start using a wheelchair. Typically, Medicare will pay for a wheelchair out of Part B, the um, durable medical equipment, but Medicare will not pay for a wheelchair ramp. If you've got the right kind of long-term care policy, that long-term care policy can pay for a wheelchair ramp. Long-term care policies may pay for home modifications, when my husband was on claim, it was kind of funny because um, I thought I knew it all. 
I was wrong. Um, seriously, I was. Um, when you file a claim with the long-term care insurance company, you're assigned what's called a care coordinator. And that care coordinator may be assigned by the insurance company or you can choose your own. They're typically independent contractors. They're not employees of the insurance company. And the care coordinator works in tandem with your physician to put together a plan of care. And this insurance company was really smart because they sent in a male nurse. And I thought, okay, because this worked really well with my husband. You have to know my husband. So anyway, the, um, the, the nurse came in and he looked at everything and then he took me into the bathroom and he said, you see this? This has got to go. I had a little stool in there. <laughs> he said, no, you got to get this out of here. You're, this is, he could fall. Oh my gosh. And then he said, you've got to put more bars in the bathtub. I mean, he gave me a laundry list of what I needed to do to keep my husband safe. I said, okay, I, I understand. And the long-term care policy did pay to put up the bars in the bathroom. So again, policies, long-term care policies do work, um, do coordinate benefits with Medicare. They may pay for hospice. Typically, they're, um, there's a deductible or an elimination period with long-term care. However, some of the benefits with a long-term care policy are not subject to that elimination period. And we can go into detail, um, but I, I like to explain to folks, if you have a cost, call the long-term care coverage and ask if it's covered. You would be surprised what's covered. Don't assume it's not. Okay. Dave, do you have a question? Well, I think you answered it, but just a quick follow-up. You know, you said interview at least three home care providers and you know, right. up to five assisted living facilities. Where do you start finding those? I mean, other than it's like finding, you know, a babysitter. You ask the people that you know, who do they use and who do they like? It's not easy. Um, the long-term care industry, forget the insurance policies for the moment, but the long-term care industry is, is fragmented. There is no one phone number you can call to get all the answers. There simply isn't. Your primary care physician's office is usually a pretty good resource. Um, here in the Richmond area, the Richmond Academy of Medicine has some great resources on their website. Um, they also have a program called Honoring Choices um, that helps patients put together their choices, um, and it's free. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful service. Um, Honoring Choices has its own website connected to the Richmond Academy of Medicine. Um, you can call the Alzheimer's Association. If your loved one has dementia issues, they can certainly give you a list of assisted living communities. You just have to do your research. If you have a long-term care insurance policy, the nice thing is you are plugged into a system. Um, when that nurse came out to visit us when my husband and I filed a claim. I was impressed because before he left, he turned around and handed me a list of resources. He said, these are folks you can call if you need help. He said, these are the home care agencies we, we work with. And the one I was going to work with was on the list. I thought, well, that's good. That's good to see. Um, he also gave me a list of if I needed more equipment, um, whatever I might need. So having a long-term care insurance policy gives you access to resources that otherwise you, you wouldn't have on your own. So it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's not easy. So let me segue uh, into, mm -hmm. and you guys can interrupt me if you want, but let's segue into the long-term care insurance in general. What can you tell listeners about, you know, the current state of long-term care insurance, especially okay. those maybe who haven't bought it yet? 
uh, and then those who may have it but may be seeing rate increases and, you know, for the first time since they bought the policy and they hear all this uh, horrible stuff on TV about how, you know, companies are either getting out of that business because of the law, uh, the claims were much, much higher. So you've got people who have policies that are a little bit scared and people who are being scared from actually buying them. What kind of guidance can you give folks? The very first long-term care policy was written in 1974, so the insurance, the long-term care insurance piece itself is not that old. It's still evolving. Policies written before HIPAA, before um, HIPAA was enacted, were very, very different. There was no guidance. There were, insurance companies tried to respond to the long-term care need as best as they could based on what they knew at, at that moment in time. Well, when uh, President Bush I think it was President Bush. I can't remember. I can't. I might be wrong about that. When HIPAA was enacted, what happened was the HIPAA law mandated that long-term care insurance policies have certain features and benefits and certain criteria, which made the policies much stronger. And the pricing for at least the last five years, maybe ten, it's much better than it was previously because now the actuaries have more data and they have more substantial information. They know what assisted living costs now. Um, typically, long-term care expenses are not as high as medical expenses because it's not skilled care. It's long-term care, personal care. Going at the rate of two, between 2 to 5%, 3% a year is about right at, as an average. So now's a really good time. I would say the last four years, especially the the premiums are much more stabilized because now they're being priced correctly. But they're super high. I mean, well, I, is there some sticker shock when people see them? I guess maybe it's a better there, way to put there it. There can be sticker shock, but when you look at the value of the policy that you're getting in return, if I'm paying $5,000 a year and getting back $60,000 a year, that makes sense to me. And so it all depends on the design of the policy. And there are there are three different kinds of policies. May I go into yeah, that it now? Yeah, actually, I was okay. going to give a next question. Okay. So briefly tell us a little bit about sure. what types of them are. The, the, the traditional long-term care insurance policy is long-term care insurance. That's all it is. You pay into it. If you never use it, you don't. it's gone. It's like car insurance or homeowners. If you never use it, you lose it. You, you don't get anything back. Then there are the hybrid products, which is life insurance with long-term care. And it could be universal life. It could be whole life. Those products are designed to pay either a death benefit or a long-term care benefit. If you never use it for long-term care, there's a death benefit that goes back to your estate, your beneficiary. Then there are annuities that may also be used for long-term care. And typically, the annuities are funded by a 1035 exchange, the IRS 1035 exchange, where someone may have money sitting in an annuity that they don't really need However, if they were to withdraw funds, there would be a tax consequence. So we can move that money over to a long-term care annuity, and when the money is withdrawn for long-term care, there's no tax consequence. And there's a little bit more to the policies than what I'm saying here, but that would be a whole other episode. Well, so uh, I'll just ask another question, because I thought you were gonna answer that differently. Not that that wasn't a great oh, answer. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about um, when folks are actually on claim, I know I've been educated probably by you on there's a reimbursement policy versus right. a, a cash mm -hmm. uh, policy. Just practically speaking, maybe, you know, 30 sure. seconds on each kind of the differences. Okay. 
um, there are three types of um, payouts, so to speak. Um, the first one is reimbursement. It's straight reimbursement. If my policy pays $100 a day and I spend $50, I send in the paid invoice and I'm reimbursed. Now, that remaining 50 stays in my pool of money. I don't lose it. I, I can use it next month. Okay. Then there's indemnity. So that same policy pays $100 a day. I spend 50, I will be paid 100. I am indemnified. The third one is cash. The way the cash policy works, once I'm approved for claim, that cash check arrives every month on the first of the month like a pension check, and it's cash. Now, the beauty of that policy is there's a lot of flexibility. I can pay a family member to take care of me. I can use the money any way I like as long as it's for long-term care. Um, I'm not um, beholding to reporting to the insurance company. However, I do caution clients, if you're not disciplined, maybe this is not the policy for you. Um, I had one client call me and tell me she painted her kitchen yellow. I said, well, you've just spent your long-term care money for this month, and that may not be the wisest decision. So uh, again, it just depends on the client. You know, how, I, I, I can get a sense of people after I speak with them a while what I think is gonna fit. So those, so it's reimbursement, indemnity, and cash. Which is the most expensive? Cash. Naturally. Now, let me ask another question um, for folks who already have policies or who folks are about to buy them. And is there a kind of a is there a norm? Like, is there one type of policy that tends to be the most prevalent one out there? Because I would say most people probably have no idea which one they actually have. The most popular or the one that was most sold up until recently is the traditional long term care policy, like a reimbursement policy, a reimbursement policy. Now, some reimbursement policies also have a cash component um, to the policy. So they could be a mixture of reimbursement and cash, and you can choose how you want to get paid month by month. Um, then there's the life insurance with the long-term care, but I, I, the most that has been sold to date is traditional. Okay. And by traditional, again, it's a reimbursement policy Correct. where you submit the, the, the invoices or the you know expenses, and then you're sent a check by the insurance company. However, some home care agencies, for example, will allow you to assign your benefit to the agency and they can bill the insurance company directly yeah, as well ask. as a, I mean yeah. that reimbursement would sure. mean that you've got to have enough cash sitting around that you can right. make that payment how, how long do most mm -hmm. of these insurance companies take between the time that they get you know your reimbursement request and the time that they actually have the money in your account are they pretty good about that or are some of them a little bit uh, more they're pretty they're pretty good they're pretty good um when my husband was on claim I typically sent in, it, it was interesting because the professional caregivers would come in and they had everything on, on their tablet. Everything was virtual and I would sign and they would send it right off and then I would receive the invoice in an email and I would shoot it off to the insurance company and by the end of that week I had a check. Oh, that's good. It, it, yeah. it, it's a pretty smooth, they're getting better. Better they're, than they're what a lot of people might have experienced with exactly. medical payments. Well, yes, it's, it's, it's smoother. There is a difference in claims, though, because most of us are accustomed to codes. You know, if I go to the doctor and I get a flu shot, he'll code it to my insurance company and he's reimbursed. With long-term care insurance, there are no codes. Everything is written out longhand. And so there are times that the insurance company 
may have trouble paying, not because they don't want to. And I think this is important to explain because, number one, the insurance company has a fiduciary responsibility. They're spending your long-term care money. That's number one. Number two, they're giving away tax-free money. So there has to be a very clear paper trail for that insurance company when they're audited to say, well, this is why we sent $1,000 to ABC Home Care Agency for Ms. Jones. That, that documentation has to be crystal clear. And if it's not, you will receive notices and phone calls asking you to clarify or prove that the person who took care of mom is a certified nursing assistant. They're not trying to be difficult. They need the documentation. Good. Well, I have one final question, but I'm going to look around the room. I like to always end on a fun and high note. I, I, <laughs> okay. I use fun as a relative term, so go easy on me if it's not actually really fun. Okay. But does anybody else have any questions for Linda before I toss the last question out? Um, I guess you, you mentioned that the insurance company is a fiduciary to the client once they're on claim, but perhaps we should clarify the insurance agent does not actually have a fiduciary duty to the client, so it might be worthwhile actually having your financial planner who is a fiduciary just review the policy before you sign i do you know how many times i encourage clients especially clients who come to me who don't work with a financial planner please have somebody aware of what what you have let them review it make sure everyone is on the same page and everyone understands yes to your point it's very important i agree the, the F word again. I'm glad we got that in a few I times know. here. We had to, yes. You need to make up a game Shot for the fiduciary game. So, uh, so this isn't exactly a fun question either, but you said you wish you had a crystal ball. Um, I guess we talked about this before uh, the mic went on is, you know, what's this all going to look like 15 to 25 years from now? Because we're all living longer. Uh, the cost of care keeps going up and insurance companies don't have crystal balls either. So, what do you think in your crystal ball we will see 15 to 25 years from now to allow people to insure against this risk? Okay. We, well, while you're looking into your crystal yeah, ball, can you also you give have. me the pick five numbers? Because, <laughs> you know, just for a friend, asking for a friend. Let me, let me think about those okay. pick five numbers. Um, we have 10,000 boomers a day turning 65. And that's going to go on for another 16, 15 years. If you look at the number of assisted living communities that are being built, they're still not enough. Um, there is a website called, um, and I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's, it's a long-term care scorecard. And the states are scored on how well-prepared they are for long-term care. It's really very interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting website. We'll tweet it out and Instagram it out if you can send uh, it to us. I'll, we'll put it out. I don't remember. I'll have to, when I get back to the office, I'll, I'll do that. It, um, the last time I looked at it, Virginia, where we are, was number 19. We weren't the best. We clearly weren't the worst. However, there are so many numbers on that website. The number that sort of yelled out at me for every thousand baby boomers in Virginia, we have we had back then, and I think that was for 2015, I think, 2016, we had 43 assisted living community beds. So what does that tell me? That 
just by demand, sheer demand, the cost is going to go up. And if you and I, John, showed up at the same assisted living community on the same day, both needing a bed, and you had a long-term care policy and I didn't, guess who would probably get the bed first? Ladies first? No, that's not the way it works. And so to me, to answer your question about what I see, um, it's a sleeping giant and it's it being long-term care, the need for long-term care, and it's just going to get worse. Um, because we do have these boomers and we do have um, the aging problem. Medical science has done a great job on keeping us alive longer. However, the issue of dementia still has a long way to go. And I see so many clients filing a claim for dementia. That's the one biggest issue right now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So my last question, I, I, Lauren was getting ready to say something, but I spoke up in time. She I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I just think actually that sounds like another um, podcast topic, which is going to be, it sounds like a lot of people are going to be taking care of their parents at home. So the impact on the caregiver, you know, trying to navigate this and, and get home care for their parents or aunts and uncles uh, and what that looks like. So we might have to have you back on. Sure. Um, absolutely. I'd love to. And we're dealing with a few of those kind of with clients here. And that's one thing that I didn't want to ask because it would take us another hour to get through it. But I do think that's a great idea. So if you're willing or if you've got somebody who's a better contact, we'd love to pursue that. So my last question is related to um, an event that some of us were at at the Richmond Forum recently by a guy named Peter Diamandis. He's a futurist. He's big into technology and how the world's changing due to technology. And I won't get into all the details. You can Google that. But one of the things he didn't mention was that uh, term that you taught me many years ago, which was gerund technology. Correct. And I remember you talked about some of the solutions that are on the horizon Mm -hmm. that people haven't even thought of or or aren't aware of, maybe is a better way to say it. Can you, one, define the word? Yes. If it is actually a real word. And then kind of just some of the ideas that are out there that are coming our way uh, in terms of long-term care technology. If you Google caregiving gerund technology, caregiving gerund technology are devices that will allow us to keep a loved one at home longer and more comfortable and more economical. For example, there is a commode right now, if you use it, the results go straight to your physician's computer. Um, that sounds disgusting. Well, <laughs> but it, but John, think about I'm it. I'm joking. You don't have to. No, it does sound disgusting. <laughs> but it but it makes sense. Think yeah. how efficient that is. You're taking your blood pressure, your mm-hmm. blood sugar. All of these types of gerund technology devices help keep your loved ones safe, number one, and alert all family members because there are so many family members who are out of state. Just FaceTime alone, the fact that you can see your mom every day, even if she's you're in Virginia and she's in California, um, or the different tablets that are available for senior citizens who have trouble seeing. They just can't see as well anymore. They can't hear as well anymore. There are, there's a whole host. Um, oh, my gosh. It, just Google caregiving general technology, and you'd be amazed. I think the most amazing is the, the pod. Have you seen the granny pod? Is that the backyard? It's where you put your like, grandmother in a house? tool shed. It's amazing. <laughs> I was thinking earlier, you're talking about the, the... I know they are. Yeah. No, this, this is this is equipped. Is there a door? 
Yes, there is. <laughs> okay. There's a door. When you say pie, um, I, Mrs. Claire, I expect it to, right. to be white. Please don't worry about things that John says on the no, side. No, it's beautiful. All glowing on the inside. The they're pod, really very pod. nice, really. If you've not ever yeah. seen one in person, I have. They're they're beautiful. It's Seriously. Granny Pod. Well, there's so called, donuts. Um, you don't call Granny. There's there's a company. Granny, um, I believe they're in Lynchburg. It's called Med Cottage. M- I believe the website is medmedcottage.com. The last time I looked at that website, there were videos on there where you just a virtual tour of the cottage. They're really very nice. I'm serious. Lynchburg, is that what you said? Uh, It was. It was started by a pastor who um, needed a way to care for his mother. I believe it was, and he came up with the idea. That's a nice way of saying I don't want my mother-in-law living in my house with me. Well, that's that's what I read into it immediately. It sounds a bit, you know, spinal tappy, you know. Well, but see, the med cottage will keep her safe because everything's on one level, Mm -hmm. and the doorways are wide. I mean, it's equipped to help. The aging process. Well, plus maybe your mom doesn't want to live with you. Exactly. Thank you. Maybe she wants her own space. I was going to say that. You just alienated (laughs) one of our listeners. (laughs) I was about to say that. Well, so I know we've run a little bit long on time. So uh, before I uh, kind of walk us out, uh, are there anything, is there anything from around the table here that uh, you guys want to get on before we wrap? Not for me. Linda, what about you? Anything, any kind of parting thoughts or wisdom for... For us or the listeners? Just think about if you needed care, what would happen? What would happen to your loved ones? What would happen to you? What I have found is the person who needs care always gets the care. It's everyone around them who suffers to struggle to provide that care. So it's really not about you. It's about everybody else. That's great advice. Well, so, you know, this was our first episode officially. You know, it was a tough topic to tackle up front uh but i think we did an okay job and we've already talked about doing a follow-up so linda we want to thank you very much for for your time and for your counsel over the years and my pleasure hopefully after you listen to this you'll want to come back to do another one <laughs> okay thank um, you sure i would like to say that for anyone who has any comments uh for this episode uh you can get us at evo podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also check us out on instagram and twitter um, our next podcast will be exciting. It will be talking about taxes in 2018 with the one and only Todd Parker CPA after tax season is done. So look for that in a few weeks' time. Um, and help us spread the word. Uh, subscribe on iTunes to EvoFi Podcast. Uh, you can get us on podbean.com. Uh, for any Android listeners, uh, that's where you'll have to find us since you don't have iTunes. Uh, And again, you can check us out on social media. So again, let's wrap up here. I want to thank everyone again, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Thanks very much, everybody.